0: 360 degrees, high high 360 degrees, high high 360, 360, 360 degrees.
1: Noches, mi gente, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program here at KPFA. Tonight, Full Circle is presenting, very excited, the fifth episode of the Spanglish Power Hour. That's right, mi gente, yo soy your host, Ipocho Por Vida, Josiah Luis Alderete, and on tonight's show, it's going to be a good one, we're bringing you poesia from two of my favorite Latinx poets, Renee Vaz and Angel Dominguez. And later on in the show, we're going to be talking to Itzel Calvo and Ariseli Niel from the Ispe Immigrant Youth Coalition, which is an undocumented queer transgender youth organization based here in Oakland. All this, and we're going to be grooving to the cross-cultural beats of Latinx musico Jess Silvestri. And at the end of the show, we're going to have the classic random thoughts from a stoned pocho about why Halloween is not el día de los muertos. That's right. We got a packed hola of Spanglish views and local news happening for you tonight on Full Circle's fifth episode of the Spanglish Power Hour. No se vayan. Welcome back, all you monolinguists and bilinguals out there. You are tuned in to 94.1 Radio Estacion de la Comunidad, KPFA, and this is Full Circle's broadcast of the Spanglish Power Hour. Now, before we uh, before we start tonight's show, I wanted to uh, make a special request to the uh, our listeners out there to let us know um, about any groups or resources that they have heard that are out there that are available to uh, nuestras familias latinas that have been displaced by the fires up north. Um, as many of you know, since these fires have occurred, there have been a Numerous stories of latino familias not using the services being offered for fear of citizenship status being checked and whatnot. so if any of you out there dear listeners know of any organizations that you think could help Nuestra gente por favor call the studio line over the next hour And what we're gonna do is uh, during the musical breaks. We're gonna go ahead and announce some of these services so um Por favor, if you do know of something that uh, you think will be of service, call us up. The número here is uh five one zero eight four eight four four two five. This is part of what we do here at the first voice program. Inform and empower our cultura. It's important to us. So give us a call if you think you know something we need to know. Okay, we're gonna keep uh going. We're gonna take what we're gonna do is take another little short musical break. Some more Francisco and Madera coming at you. And when we get back from the break, we're going to jump right into the floricanto. No se me vayan. Welcome back. Welcome back, mi gente. If you're just tuning in, bienvenidos. This is 94.1 KPFA Radio Estación de la Comunidad, and you're listening to another episode of Full Circle's Spanglish Power Hour, the fifth one in the series. Yeah, that last canción was um, by Francisco I. Madero. Actually, all of the canciones on tonight's uh, Spanglish Power Hour are Francisco I. Madero tunes. And uh, so if you, if you you if you're digging it, then you know. You know who to dig it to. Yeah, and uh, Francisco Imadero is one of the many musical projects by Bay Area Area Latinx musico Jess Silvestri. So uh, you're going to stay tuned to hear a little bit more from Jess on the uh, next musical break. So up next, uh, we are featuring, we're going to jump right into the good stuff, man. As you know, I am a lover of poetry, and uh, I have some poems here that you need to be hearing. This is some Floricanto some serious Floricanto by two of my favorite uh, Latinx poets, René Vaz and Ángel Dominguez, both uh, of who happen to have their books published this year. And um, on the Spanglish Power Hour, we're featuring these poets in particular because their poems and books are each in their own way ejemplos of our cultures overcoming the genocides and repression that we not only faced yesterday, but they're facing today. And these poets do it and very powerful and unique voices. So first up is uh, Rene Vaz. And uh, Rene Vaz is a lecturer on Latinx studies at SF State. And he shares a very cramped office with Alejandro Murgia by day. And by night, he has, uh, for the past four years, along with Marguerite Munoz, uh, they've run the monthly reading series in La Mision called Voz Sin Tinta, uh, if any of you haven't checked this out, this is an amazing reading series that happens the second Thursday of the month in La Mission over at Alley Cat's Books. So Renee's new book, uh, *Planet of the Dead*, was released last month by local publishers Manic D Press, and here's Renee right here explaining how uh, *Planet of the Dead* was basically created. Let's have a listen. The
0: poems from the book are a little over a year old. The book is a manifestation of a year of trauma, both as a person of color during the election year, and also during my final year of an MFA program in writing, where I write in my book that the nature of a creative writing workshop is inherently violent. The book, The Planet of the Dead, is a reflection of both the election and my experiences in an MFA classroom. And uh, talk about the title a little bit. You just explained it, but talk talk about the title a little bit. Planet of the Dead. The Planet of the Dead refers to Pluto, um, which is classically referred to, um, named after Pluto, the god of the dead. Um, The voice of my poems called the American sun finds camaraderie with the planet of the dead Pluto, the planet that is not considered a planet since its status as a planet is contested. It goes back from being a planet to being a planetoid, similar to how a person of color is sometimes in America not considered fully a person. So my vo- the voice of the book, The American Sun, finds refuge on the planet of the dead Pluto, the planet that is not a planet, because he is a person who is not considered fully a person. Words this is the advice my mother gives me walk don't run if you see the rose petals in the air run paint your house black when they burn it down you can still live in it if you see another with their hands up to pluto please record when they deport me take care of the little dogs watch out for your younger brother you inherited your father's gun. Never be afraid to use it. Nothing is permitted. Nothing can be restored. There is water deep underground. Tuck your shirt in and wear winds Windsor knot. Grow your beard out so that you look like your grandfather. Don't die before me. The little dogs need to sleep indoors. There are wolves outside. Don't wear a hoodie unless it has a college emblem on it. Speak in proper English. When you encounter a misogynist, punch them for me and your sister. If you slit that man's throat, I forgive you. Don't ever write about me. Don't let them kill you. This is an imperfect tamale. Mother kneads the dough, says a silent prayer. Thank you, hate. Thank you, rage. Mother fills the tamales with queso, rajas, carne, dulce, amor, the hate and rage she carries in her heart. Mother removes the tamales from direct fire, leaving them cooked on the inside, masa still mushy on the outside. Mother was the original master of death. She had dinner with Santa Muerte at the border. She killed him at his own dinner table. Mother instructs me to place my imperfect tamales on an open flame, watch the leaves char, the masa cook to perfection hard on the outside, the same way mother instructs me to be. This is conversations on the day of the election, too. I've seen my blood smeared down the alleyways, hanging from the Joshua tree, asking permissions for a simple song told no and no, from the time when I could walk with chubby legs to now when my legs are tired and can no longer run. It is November, it is cold, hands trembling like the bones and sinew underground. Mother took me to the lake when I was twelve, gave me a spade, took it away, said, dig with your hands, deep holes must be dug to find the water underground. Boy me digs till my hands blister, my hands callous, forcing me into a man. I dig until I reach the water underground, it is black. It is smells like iron. It is our blood.
1: Oh, gracias, gracias. Dear listeners, if you are just tuning in, this is 94.1 KPFA, Radio Estacion de la Comunidad, and that was the words of René Vaz. Gracias, René. Uh, Reading from his latest book, The Planet of the Dead, which was uh, released uh, last month, or I believe, yes, last month by local publishers, Nomadic Press. If you want to hear more of be sure to go on down to Alley Cat Books, because like I said, he runs the uh, Voz Sin Tinta reading series that's been going on down there for years now, second Thursday of the month. Go on down and check him out and uh, definitely buy his book. Tell him the the Spanglish Power Hour sent you. Okay, what's up next with the Floricanto? We can continue the Floricanto with the one, the unico, Ángel Dominguez. Ángel Dominguez, he's a Latinx writer whose words I consider medicine. His palabras soothe the wounds and the marks left on us brown gente by the centuries of colonialism and repression. Angel's second book, Desgraciado, just came out, so let's hear Angel describe a little bit about the way the book was created, and then listen to some of his poems.
2: So Desgraciado actually started with um, this assignment that was given to me in class by a poet named Fareed Matuk, um, who's a brilliant poet, and the assignment was... uh, Write a love letter to your worst enemy. And I could not think of a worse enemy than Diego de Landa. Now, for people that don't know, who, who was he? So, Diego de Landa, um, was a friar of the Yucatan Peninsula, who in 1562 um, called for an auto de fe, an act of faith. And in this act of faith, he wanted all of the Maya to gather all of their manuscripts, so all of their books, all of their codecs and codices, all of their idols. And what the history books don't tell you is he also ordered hundreds of human bodies, uh, bodies to be dug up from graves to also be burned in this fire is auto de fe. And also at the time, um, you know, the Maya actually had to go to former temples that were in ruins to even find these books because they weren't in use, they weren't being circulated. Um, and so he stood uh, trial uh, against the Crown of Spain for atrocities against the indigenous, and he wrote this document called Relacion de las Cosas de Yucatan. Um, which is uh, Remembrance of Things of the Yucatan, and uh, it was his trial document. So this very same document was lost for hundreds of years and found again in a Madrid library. A copy of it was found in the Madrid library, missing all sorts of sections and things. It was found by this French-Atlantean scholar. Um, And it was translated, and that has been sort of like this very heavy uh, cultural document on the Maya people uh, from that time of colonization, which is kind of absurd if you think about it, because it's the very same person who attempted to destroy it that um, you know is credited with like the document on the culture. So that's yeah, that's why he's the worst enemy here. <laughs> and and um, so the poems are basically letters that you've written to him. Yes. Yes. Yes, they are. Dear Diego. The mail keeps piling up, and none of it's from you. It's bills, mostly. It's mostly bills I can't pay. There's nothing beautiful or strange about it. It's just a sad paper cup I keep reopening with blades of grass and wind. I dodge calls from them the way I do family members. Sorry, I didn't, but also not that sorry. I don't like to talk on the phone unless I have to. I'd rather see you. But I do enjoy writing letters. Although the number of people I've written letters to is really closer to a handful, you are one of those people. But you're not my people, Diego. You're not blood, you're not fam. But I still write to you. But with you, there's the dramatic irony of you being already dead and you were never okay and let's not forget that I basically hate you or well, my feelings for you have been a tumultuous drama. Now I'm indifferent. My feelings for you are subject to change. My feelings for you are spoonfuls of ash and gravel. I don't drink whiskey anymore. Otherwise, there'd be bottles. There'd be the sour turn of too many drinks the morning after, head wobbling on the way to work until plateau of sunrise washes the horizon clean with color. The moon retreats into a subtle hallucination. Is that a fingernail or a full circle? You know, I think you're a coward, and I don't even mean that insultingly. You know, I get it. I'm a coward, too, sometimes. I don't write or call or text when I should, and that anxiety eats me alive for days and days and weeks and months and and years. (laughs) It builds ulcers in my stomach or stones in the soil of the orchard, and I live on an orchard now. The strange magic of writing brought me here, and here I am, still waiting to talk to you, body of my oppressor, languid talisman of the fire, you awful smell, that smell of, I don't have enough words for you, that smell of fire that never leaves the burning building, the smell of charcoal blood covering the embers until the sun returns to reveal a lack of color, a hole where language should have been, an absence where once there was a song or a flower, and that flower could have been a tree, that song could have been the sky, but I guess we'll never know now, will we, Diego? Dear Diego, the moments pop out like crystals, fully formed in the dirt, before their emergence. Only revealed by mud, rain reprograms the unknowns with ancestral memory. The scope of their mystery widens to hold the crystal-smeared sky, tiny prisms of temperature divide the color scheme into recollections of other skies and other times, the language grows right out of the earth, we breathe it in while sleeping. I shape it all day long, chewing up the words and swirling them around my circadian coasting, I deposit short poems into my ligaments so that the poetry continues to keep me together when I am weak. The ligaments strain from overuse and must be soothed regularly lest they snap. I am a temporal distance, glittering. Dear Diego, I've thought long and hard about what you are. I've bottomed out, I'm back for you years, over the years, and in front of you. Tried to get that song out of you, clawed my way through your body until most of you was moss and rust and rot and ash. River grows over the sight of what's left, a language returned with water instead of fire or blood. We flood the furnace away. We reverse the bonfires and recoup our scar tissue. Down to the raw materials, we are eternal. Diego, I am not afraid of you any longer. I know your scent, its sound. When you start to creep in from infinity, we're magnetic, you and I, bound together by blood and time, and we're a time of day. We are a dim paradise. We're bound at the mouth. Your lips are always on mine when I speak. Your voice comes in concentric circles. We're synonyms for one another. I can never quite make out which of us is the meaning. Always exchanging language and fire. Like binary stars before oblivion. Won't you just end us with me? Just this once, please. Burn after reading. Dear Diego, do you know what it means to go home? Have you ever felt the safety, the calm that comes with sleep before the sun becomes? Do you know what it's like to sleep, to dream? Do you still dream? It seems I've got a lot of questions for you these days. Your silence is a constant koan. I don't know how to talk to you, though I do most every day. Or rather, I think of you until I have to write to you and I realize that I never really write to you. It's always this approximation that lacks a temperature. You lack a temperature. You lack a sense of woe. Sometimes I fold up the idea of you. Sometimes I let myself eat what's left of you. And I pine for the other without missing. I pine for the control of time or history. I don't know which matters more. Did you know that Latinx slash Chicanx people are over 51% of Los Angeles right now? Soon we'll be the majority in this country and I wonder if we'll reset the ledger then. I wonder if that's when history can become undone. Diego, did I ever tell you I was placed into ESL because of my last name? It wasn't until I couldn't do my homework in Spanish somewhere around the third assignment that I brought it to my mother who was furious. I was ashamed I couldn't finish my assignments and tests in Spanish. We weren't supposed to speak Spanish outside of my grandparents' house. It felt like I should still have been able to, and it still feels like I should be able to, but I can't, and... It wasn't until years later, this year actually, that I learned Los Angeles Public Unified School District received extra funding for every ESL slash bilingual student they enrolled. I never saw a cent of this money. The reclamation of brown bodies into the white institution is all too familiar. Maybe this is why I don't want to get a PhD. I'm sick of morphing my body and becoming unfamiliar to myself. I keep explaining to myself, to others, that I'm a dog, I'm an outside dog, a scraggly city coyote. I'm not made for white institutions or structures present. I am many and cannot be contained. I can't come back inside the house because I found a brown radiance to end the drought. Thanks, I sir. found that. We were never meant to be in the house porque somos el lluvia. Love, Jack.
1: Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, that was Angel Dominguez uh, who was reading us poemas from his latest book, Desgraciado, which was published by the wonderful Gente over at Econo, textual object makers of beautiful books of poesia. So, gracias, Ángel, for your palabras. Uh, we wish Ángel mucho, mucho suerte as he and Tatiana Lubovaski Acosta embark on their East Coast poetry tour. So, if you enjoyed... Uh, the Palabras of these poets, please go out to some local independent bookstore aquí en La Bahía and buy their books. Rene Vaz's book is called Planet of the Dead, published by Nomadic Press, and Ángel Dominguez's Desgraciado is published by Econo Textual Objects. Okay, we're going to continue the Spanglish Power Hour. We're going to take a little musical break, and we, when we come back, uh, we are going to be featuring uh, some folks from the Immigrant Youth Coalition. So no se me vayan. Noches, queridos listeners. You're tuned in to 94.1 KPFA, Radio Estación de la Comunidad. This is Full Circle's production of the Spanglish Power Hour. And up next on the show, uh, we have two very special guests who represent a very special organization based here in Oakland called the East Bay Immigrant Youth Coalition. So without further ado, let me introduce to you all Itzel Calvo and Ariseli. How do you say your last name again here? NL. NL, Aricelli NL, okay. (laughs) Muchas gracias for agreeing to come on the show tonight. Um, Thank you for having us. De nada. Um, So you, excuse me, you're both part of uh, the Immigrant Youth Coalition, which uh, is an undocumented Mm -hmm. and queer trans youth-led organization based aquí en Califas, uh, whose mission is to mobilize youth families and incarcerated people to end the criminalization of immigrants and people of color. That's what it says on the website, yes. <laughs> um, could you give us some, some background in, uh, information on the organization first off?
3: Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we organize to create social change um, by making sure that we interlock the systems of oppression that we're all living. And what that means is that at the forefront of our organization, we make sure that we, uh, as undocumented queer and trans youth, that we address them uh, wholly and not just as like chunks. And so here at the Bay Area chapter um, we provide a safe space for undocumented youth and our allies because we understand that the immigration system does not only affect undocumented people. Um, and we address the issues that affect our communities in a local and national level and to some degree an international level because being immigrants that means we carry that kind of History um, and through our community advocacy and direct action, we aim to inform, um, empower to a degree, and liberate
4: for all immigrant, uh, all immigrant and undocumented communities, regardless of their race, age, class, gender, and sexual preference.
1: That's beautiful. When did you both uh, join the organization?
4: Um, I joined. EBIYC uh, back in 2014, um, this is around the time that uh, the announcements were happening around DAPA uh, and the expansion of DACA. And DAPA was a, organi- a policy that was supposed to help undocumented um, parents of U.S. citizen children get um, a work permit similar to DACA. Um, that's, I think, around the time that I joined the organization and saw, you know, the flaws about our immigration system and that even with DAPA, it still would not have been enough for our community. Yeah.
1: Now, when we started talking, you, you mentioned basically the, the, what you're trying to achieve for the organization, but um, what does that translate to as far as actions and reaching out to the community and things like that? Could you maybe talk about some of the recent actions that, the organization has been a part of and things like that?
3: Yeah. Um, so this is Araceli. And what we aim to do as we talked about direct action is holding accountable folks who hold power and who are um, creating the links between police um, along with like the federal government. Um, so at a local, state, and national level we are organizing and so one of the most recent things that we were part of was um the direct action that was taken with pelosi so we were there um and something that we were really trying to make sure that we did was hold pelosi accountable um and something that we really want to make sure is that
1: Actually, before we go any further, in mm-hmm. case our listeners don't know, would you describe that the, the situation with uh, Pelosi and what happened? Sure, very briefly, because that was that was beautiful. When
3: um, <laughs> so huh? Pelosi was holding in, um, a conference where she was going to pretty much announce that she was pushing for a Dream Act, um, and this came after her meeting with Trump and making, you know, kind of like the the bargaining chip that we're going to protect DACA recipients who they love to call dreamers. And so what we've seen is that the dreamer narrative has divided our community and criminalized um, both our parents and then everybody else who's not considered deserving uh, or not American enough. And so something that Pelosi was trying to do was pretty much showcase... Um, token tokenized folks who yeah. who fulfilled the narrative of dreamer yes um so we found out that this conference was happening this conference was happening and so we decided to make sure that our voices were being heard because we were not part of this um conversations so we wanted to make sure
4: that our voices were being heard yeah and along with that um Our message was clear that we wanted a DREAM Act that was not going to compromise our parents um, and was not going to include um, border security, more criminalization of people, um, because there is already um, the system in place of immigration is already doing that by keeping folks in detention centers. Um, And I think that this was... uh, for Pelosi to come and say that she's been supporting Dreamers um, when she has done nothing to stop deportations. And we have continuously tried to get her office to um, uh, support cases uh, locally and she has refused to meet. So it was also kind of a slap in the face uh, to say that, you know, you're supporting Dreamers, you're supporting young uh, um, undocumented folks when you're allowing their parents to be deported. So that's why we really wanted to like be that push to her and any other Democrat, right, that is willing to say that they're going to support us but not have us at um, the table of, like, what, what is it that we deserve and what is it that we need in order to protect ourselves but also our families.
1: Has she responded since then?
4: <laughs> I think the response, um,
3: there's no way to, like, not respond. So um, she really tried to, I think, like, Compose herself as if, like, you know, this wasn't something that she couldn't handle. But a lot of people saw it just even even if you just saw a picture uh, se le ve la cara right like she's just like ooh
1: um, (laughs) (laughs) right like oh my
3: god and then so and I think from uh, like our perspective we're really like a couple of feet away from her and you can see that she really wasn't expecting this which kind of made us surprised that they weren't expecting us so what that means is that they really have completely forgotten that there's a lot of people that are not being part of their talks and who hadn't even come across like their mind so we were really surprised Um, but yeah like I think her response is pretty much walking out and not saying anything and by now she's been trying to kind of meet with folks but it hasn't been it's not working out let's just say that
1: if you are just tuning in uh, you're listening to 94.1 KPFA and we are uh, on the Spanglish power talking to two representatives from the Immigrant Youth Coalition, Itzal and Aricelli. And um, the dream, the dreamers, that, that name, that term, that uh, talk a little bit about that. How do you feel being described as a dreamer?
3: So I'll go first, because I, I can... Uh, I'm just going to get rid of these <laughs> feelings. Um, within the word dreamer, the A stands for alien. And... Um, No soy un alien. Um, Maybe I am, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm part of the cosmic race, but. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Right? But that's all of us. That's not just like because I was born in Mexico. Um, And so I think something that was really interesting was how much they're focusing on the part of how we are supposed to be American and how American we truly are because Mm -hmm. we were brought here as children. So that narrative has been very hurtful for a lot of us who are still trying to find our identity here. Um, Because even if I were to gain citizenship tomorrow, doesn't mean that I'm not making it, I'm I'm an American. Mm -hmm. The other thing is um, a lot of the narrative has come out of like me deserving this and then criminalizing our parents or saying that like our You know, we came out in a fault of our own. Uh, It was our parents who brought us. And I think that's shifted a little bit now after this action where they're saying, like, the parents are so smart um, for bringing their children here. And, like, they actually deserve some sort of protection. But the historical context has not been that. It's been that the parents criminalized. um, They were criminalized. And what that means is, in some degree to another, we are also accepting that then they're doing human trafficking. Yeah. Um, and so, what we have pretty much by um, receiving DACA, we're also turning in our parents in, uh, saying that they did this to us. And I, even if I was here by myself, you know, um, and my parents hadn't brought me then i would i would still be criminalizing my parents somewhere else saying that like it's their fault when really the fault is in the system yes. a lot of us don't migrate because you know we're just ah it looks better on that side of the, the street but really for necessity
1: yes yes
3: and so the dream narrative has been very hurtful for all undocumented folks because then the ones who are deserving, then it's the folks who went to school. It's the folks that speak English. It's the folks that can assimilate. And then what happens to everybody else who can't?
1: You all, I think it was you, itself that uh, when I heard you speak at the college, you set a statistic of the amount of people that apply mm-hmm. and how many actually get in. What was it? Do you
0: remember?
4: Uh, the amount of DACA recipients is 800,000, and the amount of undocumented immigrants in this country is 11 million
0: yeah so
1: like what well, yeah it's like dozens percent mm, that's yeah. ridiculous that's, and what about you it's what do you think of the word dreamer
4: well, uh i woke up a long time ago <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um
1: well, it's funny right the dreamers aren't allowed mm-hmm. to sleep right you know, they can't, yeah yeah
4: yeah. Really, yeah i think for me um what's been more actually empowering is not hiding my identity as undocumented, uh, I think that some folks might use it as a form of, um, like, I'm a dreamer, meaning, like, I'm a good person. I am, you know, I'm a hard worker, this, I'm that. Um, but I think more weight carries when you say I'm undocumented and unafraid and unashamed because I'm still this person, right? I'm still a student. I'm still a worker. I'm a sister, a, a, an iha. Uh, Companera, And I am undocumented within all of those um, identities. And saying I'm a dreamer, it kind of disconnects me as um, like a human, you know? <laughs> um. And, and it has been hurtful because then while you're pushing up these narratives, who are you bringing down, right? You're bringing down those folks that have been previously incarcerated, um, people that have been criminalized by the system. My parents, you know, that were forced to come to the United States. Um, so it's leaving out those narratives. Um, and and some, some folks like to also... Uh, refer to their parents as the original dreamers, you know, because they're the ones that really had this dream of um, a better life. Uh, And then reality hit, right, once we came to the U.S. and saw uh, how exploited our community is. Um, And unfortunately, you know, making money here is different than making money in, like, Latin American countries. Um, I feel like uh, folks, you know, have a there is a privilege with being in the U.S., and that's very true. Um, but at the same time, we are still, you know, living in these uh, uh, horrible conditions. We don't have access to health care. We don't have access to education. All of these resources that you know Trump likes to say that we do—that we're taking up these resources—but in reality, like we're just trying to live, you know.
1: Who are who are some of the other organizations that IYC um, pairs up with? Kind of considers an allies.
4: Yeah, right. um, our one of our, the groups that we love working with is the California Immigrant Youth Justice Alliance. Okay. Um, together, we have all um, like been organizing here in the Bay, uh, and it's it's also a statewide uh, or, organization. Um, and EBIYC, uh, and Pangea. Uh, we and uh, the Faith in Action have also created the um, ILM, which is the Immigrant uh, Liberation Movement. Wow! And uh, yeah, uh, a lot of the f- work that has been done um, through ILM has has been a rapid response uh, here locally, on uh, for for raids, uh, know your rights workshops in the communities, um, what to do in the home, uh, in the workplace, uh, and in the streets.
1: What um. We'll, we'll announce it a few times during the interview. But can you give out some? Uh, uh, and, and if anyone out there is interested in looking you guys up, what's uh, what's the info that we can we can send to them?
3: So if you look it up, if you look us up on Facebook as the EBIYC, Um East Bay Immigrant Youth Coalition, you'll find us. Um, we have our contact info out there and anything else. We also have Instagram. <laughs> we have Instagram too, but um, our Facebook is the most active.
1: Yeah. Okay, Facebook, then that's where that's that's the way that people get in touch with you. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, and Isel, I heard you at the college um, declare yourself undocumented and unafraid. Talk a little bit about that. Tell me something about that. Yeah.
4: Um I, it's taken a while for me to really understand uh, my undocumentedness, <laughs> but um, I think it was in, in at City College that um, I was able to make connections with folks that were also undocumented, not just from Mexico, but from all over the world. Um, and I was connected um, through EBIYC. Um, there was gonna be this action uh, in front of the ICE building. The folks were actually going to stop ICE buses Mm -hmm. uh, from uh, people that were going to be deported. So that was a big action that happened in San Francisco uh, 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were saying, you know, I'm undocumented and afraid. These are folks that have no papers. Blocking ICE buses, like the amount, like I've never seen that, and for me to witness that, it, it meant that I had power, you know, and it meant that with my community that we could really stand up and fight for our rights, mm-hmm. and that was something that I had only read about, you know, with like the Chicano movement, um, the Black Panther movement, um, but I had never really seen that um, until coming here to the Bay. Um, and then it was later on in the years that I realized or that I learned that it was actually through direct action that we were able to make DACA happen. So there was folks in the Obama campaign offices in Oakland, L.A., and other um, parts um, that were occupying his offices demanding a DREAM Act. And the next day, Obama announced DACA, which is what the, the program that, that we just lost. And so that was due to the fact that folks really use their um, power and say, I'm undocumented and afraid, um, education, not deportation, uh, all of these like frameworks, right, that would um, pressure the Obama administration to actually do something. Because if you remember, uh, that was one of Obama's promises always is like going to have immigration reform. Um, and and that never happened. Yeah. Um, but you it was this action. in front accent. of us the whole time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then... Um, but but people didn't know this, right? People still think that Obama—it was thanks to Obama that we have DACA, which is not true. It was it was people, students, undocumented, young individuals risking their lives and and literally locking themselves in um, campaign offices. And so that for me, that's when I was like, all right, wow. like I'm undocumented, unafraid, and unashamed.
1: What an amazing moment for you mm-hmm. to feel to feel that. God, yeah. And that's a siempre estamos luchando. It's a yeah, it's, it's, that, uh, it's so important to know that real history, you know, that, that uh, people do make that assumption that this thing was given to us. But, como dices, siempre da una lucha. Sí, sí. We have been talking to uh, Itzel and Ariseli from the Immigrant Youth Coalition. Hermanitas, uh, por favor, me dan el número otra vez. So anyone's uh, out there wanting to get in touch with you, with you all, your organization, uh Say it again. Why yes.
4: not? So you can follow us on Facebook. We are under EBIYC, the East Bay Immigrant Youth Coalition. And if you're listening from other parts uh, and cannot make it to the Bay Area folks, um, there's also the Immigrant Youth Coalition, and they have chapter. Well, we have chapters in, in Southern California as well.
1: So where, where else is Southern California the only place with the chapters right now?
4: We are across the state,
3: so we have um, in the central... And we're the north, pretty much okay. where the north is. But doesn't mean that we're not gonna grow. And that if there's folks out there listening that want to connect and start their own chapter, we can always support them doing that.
1: I hope you all heard that, Mihante. You could start your own chapter. Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is there any um, uh, events or, or uh, things happening uh, soon in the future that maybe people should know about from coming up?
3: Yeah. So we are planning on doing some cafecitos. Um, Something that's been brought up is about how do we integrate parents and how do we integrate our elders? And so something that we're working on is in, while we are a youth organization, um, youth organized led um we also want to make sure that we integrate the narratives and the stories and dialogues with parents and elders um so those are coming up and we'll be announcing them on our facebook and our instagram
1: oh that's great that's great so por favor listeners stay tuned to that and support this wonderful organization okay well uh you have been listening to itzali Naricelli uh talk about the Un- immigrant youth coalition Hermanos, muchas gracias for coming by and and schooling us on this uh, very important part of nuestra cultura. Uh, Please stay in touch.
3: Yes, thank you. Thank you. Okay,
1: we're going to take a a little bit of a musical break with uh, some more Francisco y Madero. And uh, stay tuned. The Spanglish Power Hour will continue. No se vayan. Welcome back. You are tuned in to 94.1 KPFA, Radio Estación de la Comunidad. And that little groove right there was provided by Francisco I. Madero. Uh, As a matter of fact, all the música tonight on the Spanglish Power Hour was uh, Francisco I. Madero tunes, which is uh, one of the many musical projects by Bay Area musico Jess Sylvester, who is uh, actually doing a benefit for Puerto Rico on the 28th at the... Uh, Octopus Literary Salon. Uh, so if you all got some love for Puerto Rico, come on down there and, and, and check it out. He's going to be playing Jess. So gracias, Jess, for the, uh, for the tunes tonight. Uh, if you like what you heard, check him out on SoundCloud. Why not? Huh? Francisco y Madero, Marinero, and his Cholo Fire recordings as well. Muchas gracias, Jess. Uh, this is 94.1. KPFA Radio Estación de la Comunidad and this has been a Full Circle production of the Spanglish Power Hour which has been the fifth episode so far produced by the brothers and sisters here in the Full Circle program we want to thank you muchas gracias for listening and uh, before we go before we depart these largely monolinguistic radio waves we couldn't let you all go without hearing some random thoughts from a stoned pocho Otra vez, it's time for random thoughts from a stoned pocho. Time.
2: Time. Time Time on my hands.
1: Buenas noches, mi gente. I just want to say that no matter how many esqueletos I see dancing out there on Halloween, no matter how Chulas, all those Fridas, are looking out there on Halloween. I just want all me gente out there to come together and to pass along this importante cultural service message. Halloween is not el día de los muertos. I implore mis Brown, hermanos y hermanas to let them all know out there. Before they go out trick-or-treating in El Campo Santo. Before they try to eat the sugar skulls off the ofrenda. Before they mistake the orange of our suchils with the orange of their jack-o'-lanterns. Por favor, mi gente, before this happens again this year, tell them politely in English, Halloween is not el día de los muertos. Dia de los Muertos is not a Mexican Halloween any more than Halloween is an American day of the dead. The two are distinct, despite what so many think. The borracha white women out there, dressed as wonder women tonight, may be in fact hiding their sorrows, leaving it in plain sight. Like the manzana in the bag of dulces, they may in fact have a tiny calavera with the name of someone that they want to remember. But tonight, you will not see it, because Halloween is not el día de los muertos. And I suppose if I'm being culturally sympathetic, a courtesy that was never extended to our culturas, I can assure you, then okay, I could possibly see the confusion, what with there only being a day between them on that dizzy and duct taped western calendar. It doesn't really give you much time to take down the cloth cobwebs off the window before you see us heading off to El Campo Santo con our canciones y marigolds y recuerdos that we leave tenderly behind. It doesn't leave much time between taking the plastic tombstones off the lawn before the corner of Frendas start to appear in some quiet part of the house. yeah. I suppose if I'm being culturally sympathetic, then I wouldn't take it personally that America has to smush and blur things into each other until it has something that is unidentifiable enough that we are comfortable using it as holidays and examples of history. So, por favor, before it comes to that, lean over to the man in the hula skirt. Tell the woman with the lumberjack beard The Frankenstein in the fishnet stockings, the teenager with the Burning Man goggles and fake blood tell them that Halloween is not El Dia de los Muertos. And I suppose that it doesn't help that the newer, brighter version of itself called San Francisco has gentrified our holiday just like it has our neighborhoods, turned Nuestro Dia de los Muertos into a new mission dance party. With DJs at either end of the block, two Margarita goblets for sale, and skinnier than bone white on rice cararinas who don't date brown people in the crowd. Our holidays look just like one of those rooftop techie parties come down to earth, bumping SoundCloud cumbia beats while our neighborhood burns. Some of them are still wearing their disfrazos. So let me now address the guys named Blaine and Corey in the luchador masks with the red plastic cups of keg beer in his hand. Halloween is not el dia de los muertos. This is not a costume. Para nosotros, the sangre is real. The wounds, they're real. The lagrimas are real. And as a matter of fact, our calacas are really laughing at you it doesn't just look like that they're really laughing at you and they're laughing at us con tiempos like these cuando tenemos una piñata para el presidente y vi y tormentas y terremotos have taken so many of nuestra gente still our cultura survives our cultura is genuine it's there to remind us we don't give out dulces we leave out dulces, y cigarritos, y retratos, y una tacita de café para cuando se aparece mi mamá grande, who's been gone now 30 years since Sunday, or para mi granpa Cándido who I'll always remember as querido. Y siempre, siempre llegan con nosotros el primero de noviembre. And that has absolutely nada to do with with people dressing up as hippies and as Austin Powers, again. Because Halloween is not el dia de los muertos. This has been more random thoughts from a stoned pocho. And that about brings us to the end of tonight's show. For sure, for sure. But you are not going to want to tune out just yet, mi gente, because coming up is La Onda Bajita. And if I am correct in my assumption, I do believe that the poet laureate of Berkeley is going to be talking to La Onda tonight. Rafael Jesus Gonzalez is in the house, so please stick around, stick around, stick around. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Tune in next week to Full Circle. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Free Will and Frank Sterling the incredible Joy Moore is our production consultant. Thank you for joining me tonight. I've been your Pocho Por Vida, Josiah Luis Alderete. This has been a full circle production of the Spanglish Power Hour. Gracias to all you listeners out there and Occupy Daslan for joining us tonight.